Welcome to this episode of Innovating Employment, a podcast by and for workforce development professionals, brought to you by the Ontario Centre for Workforce Innovation. This podcast series asks leaders across the workforce development sector to share their ideas and solutions for meeting Ontario's workforce needs. I'm your host and producer, Noah Snyderman. On today's episode, we talk about effective methods for supporting successful apprenticeships and promising models such as the shared apprenticeship model. We spoke with our very own Dr. Andrew Beeler, research associate at OCWI, who provided a short introduction to the shared apprenticeship model. We then interviewed Danielle Scott, Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program Lead at the Centre for Skills Development and Training, who spoke about the exciting work being done at the Centre to provide wraparound support to apprentices and companies. Here's Dr. Andrew Beeler. A lot of smaller and medium-sized companies face significant challenges with taking on apprentices. For instance, they might have work for like a couple months uh, and then, you know, things might dry up. And while they may want to hire an apprentice for a couple months during their busy season, for instance, you know, they may not have the capacity to make that commitment, you know, for the full length of an an apprenticeship. So uh, in other parts of the world, what they've done to kind of address some of those concerns and engage smaller and medium-sized companies is something called a shared apprenticeship model. And uh, that's actually basically where uh, a bunch of companies share the responsibility for training an apprentice. So you'll have like one small business take on an apprentice for a couple months during their busy season. And when things sort of dry up a little bit, you know, they get in touch with the agency or organization uh, running the, the program and say, you know what, uh, work is drying up here. And uh, the agency will, will take the apprentice and say, uh, you're going to go work at this other contractor for the next uh, little phase of your apprenticeship. And, you know, from an apprentice's viewpoint, um, it's, uh, it's nice because you get a broader exposure to the scope of your trade. Uh, which is actually currently a dropout point for many apprentices in the province, right? You know, you can end up working at one place for uh, a long time and, and not get exposure to like a significant uh, part of your trade. You know, for instance, uh, if you're an electrician, if you just end up doing solar panels, I mean, that'd be great. But if you do it for too long, you might not get exposure to just wiring a residential house or, or whatnot, right? So with a shared apprenticeship model, you get access to you know, the full scope of your trade because you're moving from one employer to the next. Um, and you get exposure potentially uh, to a much broader access of, of your trade. And, and that's kind of what we're looking at. There actually hasn't been much research on that aspect. Um, most of the research right now is out in Australia, uh, looking at the models out there uh, with the group training organizations and out in the UK uh, with some of the shared apprenticeship systems in Wales. Uh, and the findings from other jurisdictions are really exciting uh, in terms of engaging smaller and medium-sized companies, uh, reducing that admin workload for those types of businesses, and supporting apprentices through to completion. Here at OCWI, we wanted to test these models in Ontario to see whether they would, uh, they would work here because uh, we're certainly hearing some of the similar kinds of challenges from employers and apprentices as, as uh, in Ontario, as, as is the case in some other jurisdictions. So uh, we thought we'd test them out uh, in this province and 
really excited to see actually what uh, what the Center for Skills Development and Training does uh, with their their program for adult apprentices in, in the Halton region. And uh, so the center is acting basically as a third party uh, to engage uh, apprentices and uh, employers. They have an amazing pre-apprenticeship program uh, that's basically a stream that where apprentices will go through that and then get placed in their in their employer network in, in the manufacturing sector out there. Uh, where you have to have an amazing group of employers who are, who are taking on these uh, machinists and, and other apprentices in, in Halt and Peel. So, yeah, excited to see what happens out there. To speak about the Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program, we had the pleasure of interviewing Danielle Scott, who leads the program at the Centre for Skills Development and Training. Hi, Danielle. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for having me. So, Danielle, to start, can you tell us a bit about your background and role at the Center for Skills Development and Training? Absolutely. I've been at the Center for about 10 years and working with pre-apprenticeship students for the last nine. I started off working with the Get in Gear program. It's a skilled trades career exploration program for youth. And it's from there that I got really excited about helping young people and all people moving into careers in the skilled trades. I started working with pre-apprenticeship students about nine years ago. And just coming into this podcast, I figured I'd take account of how many I've worked with. And it's just over a thousand students entering careers in construction, manufacturing, and electrical trades. And uh, about 200 women graduating from the Women in Skilled Trades program, moving into construction. So that's really cool. In my current role at the center, um, I work with Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program participants to help them move into apprenticeships and address any challenges in navigating the apprenticeship system and connect to good apprenticeship opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on the milestone. That's, that's really phenomenal. Um, can you tell us a bit about some of the students you work with and what, what are the reasons that draw them to the center's programming? We see participants of all ages and stages, young people who are just out of high school and are starting out and people who've worked in a few jobs and are looking for something a little bit more meaningful. We really focus on meeting participants where they're at and getting to know everybody individually to help them work towards their career goals. What I love about my job is that I get to work with everybody individually to help them get to where they want to go. I think what draws them to the center is we have a reputation for working closely with our students, but also working with industry to develop training that's relevant and responsive to their needs. That's actually how um, the Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program, which we call OAP, um, was developed. Little known fact, I guess, or something that we know everyone at the center kind of knows is that I actually know every single student's name and I know every OAP participant by name. And I think that means that we get to know the individual students We know their strengths, we know their challenges, we understand what's impacting them, and we can use that to help them move forward and be successful. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to ask you about OAP. Uh, Before we get there, can you tell us some of the training and resources that are available to the students at the center? Absolutely. So we provide hands-on pre-apprenticeship training to meet the needs of industry. We follow the apprenticeship training standards and the core curriculum for each trade. Students at the center receive about 70% shop floor training, and that's huge. They leave feeling really confident that they've got the tangible skills to be able to move into the sector. We also really focus on helping people develop soft skills. And those are a lot of the things where people might not feel confident about. We recently, a couple years ago, we implemented a four-person piece. So while they're in training, each student actually gets to be the foreman or the forewoman for a week. It really helps them develop some leadership skills and also just provides them with a different perspective of what things look like on site. 
They're responsible for making sure people get there on time, people come back from breaks on time, that the work is getting done, that the work site is clean. It's really interesting to see what their leadership style evolves like. Even it's over five days. You know, you might see one approach on Monday, a different approach on Tuesday. By Friday, they've kind of figured out what their personal style is. We also offer individual coaching to all of our students and our employer liaisons actually sit down with every student and we talk about what their goals are. From there, we're kind of able to action plan. The center offers a pretty full suite of services. We have our pre-apprenticeship training programs, but we also offer services to newcomers to Canada. Those services help them learn English, help them settle and help them find employment. We also offer Employment Ontario funded employment services to help any job seeker who's looking for work. And we offer an academic upgrading program to help people build their essential skills and just prepare for any employment and training pathway. If we don't offer the support a student needs, we are always looking for opportunities to partner with people or refer them to an organization that's going to help them. We feel like we're really good at what we do. I think we're really good at what we do. Um, And there are other great experts in the community who are really good at what they do as well. Um, We really take whatever it takes approach to helping students get to where they need to go. And I think that's something that really sets us apart. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us about the Women in Trades program that you run? Absolutely. The center has been offering skill trades and technology training for just over 15 years. I should give a shout out to our funder here. The program is funded by the Ontario Ministry of the Status of Women, and it's part of their mandate to increase women's economic security. It really focuses on providing women with the skills that they need to increase their economic independence. It's an incredible program. They build a house from the ground up. They do all the interior finishes, all the exterior finishes, the framing, the drywall installation. They build the roof. They do absolutely everything that the other students are doing in the co-ed program, which is really cool. It's not small scale building. They're up there in hard hats with tool belts doing the same work that anybody else would be doing. They cover a lot of construction on-site safety. They get first aid and CPR. And when they graduate, we work with them to help them find a job. That support is huge, especially when you are in a group that's underrepresented in the skill trades. When our team sends out resume to an employer, we always send them the best candidate for the job. And it doesn't matter what that person's gender is. We've worked with a lot of companies to help them find or help them hire the first woman they've ever had. And that's something as an organization that we're really, really proud of. I want to say in most cases, they come back to us and say, wow, I regret that I didn't do this sooner, which is really, really cool. What barriers do adult students face in furthering their education and developing job skills? Um, In my experience, the challenges that adults face in participating in training or retraining are really different than the challenges that youth face. In many cases, they're supporting a family, sometimes balancing being in school and having a job. Um, And There's a lot of pressure to do well and move into employment very quickly. Just over 90% of our graduates find work related to their training. And I think that's because we really get to know them. Some of our students come in and they don't have their high school diploma. That's something that that we still see quite a bit of. Or sometimes they don't have the right credits to be able to move forward in their apprenticeship. So, for example, a grade 12 math might be required. Actually, can I tell you a story here? So one of our OAP participants has actually been working on his high school diploma. He's set to graduate this week. And uh, he actually came into our shop facility to work on his last English credit. And this blew my mind because I'm the type of person that needs quiet workspace, not a lot of distractions. 
Meanwhile, he's sitting in the computer lab next to the machine shop where he can definitely hear all the, all the machines going, going through his last English credit. It was cool to me that we've developed the kind of space that he wants to be able to come back and this is where he feels like he could work on it. I also realized that, of course, this is where he's doing his best thinking. Like he's someone who's naturally a tradesperson. That busy environment was giving him the right space to be able to think and move through it. So, you know, he'd come by and ask questions about essays or get us to proofread something. Um, it's really exciting for him that he's going to have the opportunity to walk across the stage and get his high school diploma. And that's through a partnership that we've developed. Most exciting is that this means that he'll be eligible to be signed as an apprentice in his trade, and he'll actually be one of our first OAP apprentices, which is really cool. Thank you for sharing that story. What what, a, what an exciting thing. That's so awesome. Thanks. Um, we also see a lot of people who have experience related to their trade but weren't formally registered as an apprentice. Something our employer liaisons and OAP work really closely with employers on is actually acknowledging that experience and applying it towards an apprenticeship. Through OAP right now, we're actually looking at how we can develop um, a prior learning assessment and recognition program so that we have a formal way to assess that when we're signing apprentices. Right now, it's more of a conversation piece that happens, and there is an opportunity to do that. But we think it would be great if there was kind of a common tool that could be used. So this applies to people who maybe were working here in Canada, but also people who have some international experience, but not necessarily enough to have their trades equivalency. I think a third area where we really focus on providing support is in math. Accuracy is huge in the skilled trades. Materials expensive. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase um, measure twice, cut once. Mm -hmm. um, I hear that in every shop all the time. And we hear from employers that this is a really important skill for them. So we've set ourselves up or with um, the Center's Literacy and Basic Skills Program. And we worked together and we developed some math modules that align with the needs of industry to make sure that people are getting out there with those skills as well. When you're in high school, you're not necessarily thinking, okay, I need to make sure that I take the right technical math to move me towards an apprenticeship. Sometimes you don't know you're going to be looking at an apprenticeship. Sometimes you go to university first and you really focus on stats. Sometimes you forget because you're not applying it every day. And sometimes the math that was offered to you just isn't the right math. So we find that's a huge area in terms of confidence. It's offered to everybody. And I would say almost all of our participants actually use that support. So, Danielle, you were talking about some of the other barriers that adult students face in terms of the financial pressures and the time pressures. Um, how do you help those students overcome those barriers? We work really hard to maintain a really good awareness of community programs that are available. So income support programs like Ontario Works, um, to cur have current understanding of employment insurance and those rules and how they apply food banks, subsidized child care, and build good partnerships so that students are able to access those in a really easy way. We want accessing services, whether they're services that the center offers or services that are out in the community, to be a pretty seamless process for our participants. We understand that they are managing a lot and we have a capacity to make things easier for them. So we really do focus on whatever it takes. I'm always learning about a new program. I call places all the time and say, hey, tell me what you do and let's talk about how we can work together. Yeah, it seems as, as though partnerships and integrations play an absolutely um, crucial role in, in your programming. They are. They are really essential to 
supporting our participants and being successful. You know, we feel like we're really good at what we do, but we work with a lot of other really good organizations um, that are really, really good at what they do. We um, we have one organization in, in particular that we work with a lot, and they support youth and adults who have mental health or substance abuse issues that are impacting their ability to be successful at work. And we're happy to provide them a space to come in and meet with people. We have them come in and do some presentations to our clients. We want them to know that the center is the kind of place where you can have those conversations um, and that the services are kind of out there in the community. Even within our own departments, uh, we are we have multiple sites in the Halton and Peel areas, and we provide opportunities for people from other locations to come in and see the work the students are doing. So your employment advisor in employment services is going to have seen the house that you're working on, which is really cool. And understand kind of the scope of work that you've been doing. So they're not somebody across the way in some other program, but we're just kind of all one team working with you and supporting you. Mm-hmm. What advantages are there for employers um, to recruit apprentices through the center? We take a really personal approach to helping companies connect to the right candidates. We take the time to understand your business. We'll come in and meet you. We'll sit over coffee. Um, we really want to connect you to someone who's going to be the right person, not just for now, but the right person to grow with your business. We stay in touch. So we just don't want to connect you to someone and say, okay, bye. We want to hear how it's going. We want to hear about the successes that you're having, but also any challenges so that if there is anything that needs to be worked on, we're there to provide you support and help you work through some of those. I was just at an employer a couple of weeks ago, and every single one of his apprentices is a center graduate, which is really cool. And they're all at various um, stages of their apprenticeship. But I think when he was talking to us, he was saying, you know, knowing that you pre-screen candidates, knowing that you're there to help me troubleshoot anything that comes up, he's like, you almost know my type. And it's true. We do get to know different employers and who's going to be the right fit for their teams. And because we know other people who are on their teams, we can think, wow, these people have really complementary skill sets. We also find that a lot of the companies that we're working with, small to medium-sized enterprises, don't necessarily have HR departments. So we're able to take some of that administrative burden away from them in terms of you know, reviewing resumes, facilitating some of that HR piece, some of the paperwork piece. They also know that people are coming in kind of with a common skill set as well, which is really huge. Danielle, what, what opportunities exist for apprentices within the manufacturing sector in Ontario right now? Thank you for asking this. This is my favorite question. Um, the manufacturing sector in Ontario and in the Golden Horseshoe is really robust. Um, the automotive corridor um, that's the area kind of between Oshawa and Windsor, is actually home to about 700 parts manufacturers, as well as just over 500 tool dye and mold makers. I say that, but it's really important to note that the automotive sector isn't just it. There's also aerospace. We are also home to a huge manufacturing sector that actually is worth about $37 billion. Um over 350 automation and robotics companies call Ontario home. We regularly hear from employers that they need people and they need them now, and they're looking to hire right away. And we're not just talking about jobs. We're talking about good, meaningful career opportunities where people have good pay and good benefits and opportunities to build better futures for themselves and grow. 
I'm hearing from companies who've never offered apprenticeships before who are saying, yeah, I want to invest in the right person. I want to implement a strong apprenticeship training program. They're looking for innovative solutions to their recruitment challenges. Um, This is an area where OAP, I think, has really found a niche and is able to offer a lot of support to companies. We're able to connect them to qualified apprentices. We also reduce that administrative burden for them. We can help them work through kind of some of those little challenges. Right now, our employer liaisons are working with companies specifically in the manufacturing sector and some of them to really develop new apprenticeship programs. Some of them um, have been doing work that's not necessarily, it could be apprenticeships. They just haven't signed people because they don't necessarily know how and they don't real. They don't know what an apprenticeship necessarily looks like. And once we educate them about how it can help them build a stronger workforce, they are, they're all in. The opportunities are really, really endless. And some of the site visits I've done lately, the people I've seen moving into these careers are really, really happy. I encourage anyone who's thinking, okay, I want to do some hands-on work and doesn't quite know what that is, to even just check out some videos of what advanced manufacturing looks like and get an idea. There's just so many opportunities to do really good, cool, exciting work. And I think you just don't see what that looks like. Um, yeah, thanks for asking. Oh, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. And, and perhaps that's not what um, the perception is broadly of what the manufacturing sector may look like for you know, people coming out of high school. Absolutely. I think that people see manufacturing sometimes or see the industrial sector as just kind of dirty work. What they don't see is that a lot of these shops are immaculately clean. And this industry is so, they really do drive our economy. They really are people who are doing really, really innovative work. Manufacturing touches every piece of our lives. Anything that has gone through a conveyor system, anything that has been made has been manufactured somewhere. And a lot of that is actually happening here. So, Danielle, what have you learned so far in the process of implementing the OAP program? We're learning new things every day. I think something that I learn in different ways every day is that we really need qualified tradespeople. I've heard that companies are willing to do whatever it takes to build them if you can offer the right kind of support. Companies are eager. They want to try out new solutions. You know what? There are a lot of people who want to connect to opportunities in the trades and just don't quite know how. So that need for a third party to provide that kind of support is absolutely essential. Something I think is really unique about the Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program is that we are looking at a shared apprenticeship model to help develop more well-rounded tradespeople. For small to medium-sized enterprises, this is huge. They might not have the capacity to sign off on every competency in the apprenticeship training standards, So what this means is that you could have a really good apprentice, but they're going to leave because they can't develop all the skills they need in order to become licensed in their trade. Or they're going to stay and they're not going to progress in their apprenticeship. It's like that saying, um, what happens if we train them and they leave? Or what happens if we don't and they stay? So shared apprenticeship models provide an opportunity for employers to help their apprentices build those skills by developing networks with other companies. We're hoping this is going to support retention and prevent apprentices from leaving out of necessity. It's also going to build stronger tradespeople, and that's one of the long-term goals of the Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program is we really want to increase the number of fully qualified journey persons. 
Someone in the manufacturing sector recently explained to me that the sector is really interdependent. Each company needs the others to do well because the work that they do is so intertwined. This has really driven in our community a lot of excitement about the project. There already is kind of a natural sharing of work and a natural culture of partnership within the manufacturing sector. And this is something that we are we are really building on. Going back to kind of things that we've learned, um, I think that's a huge learning piece for us is that we kind of thought that we were going to go in and establish this partnership or this network. And we realized that everybody kind of already knows who the other players are. They're just looking for someone to kind of take the lead um, administratively for them. So that was, I think that's been a really cool learning piece for us. We anticipate that a shared apprenticeship model is going to increase the confidence of apprentices. If you can get out there and feel like you actually really have experience, not just the in-school training piece, but that you've actually tangibly done these things in the workplace, you're going to feel more confident moving through your apprenticeship. And stronger, more qualified apprentices are really good for everyone. Those skilled apprentices become skilled journey people, and that's good locally for industry, but also for our economy overall. Related to training, journey people play an integral piece of providing apprenticeships. So the center is really looking at how we can build the capacity of journey people to provide high quality training. For those who don't work kind of within the apprenticeship system, 80% of apprenticeship training actually takes place out in the workplace. That means that really only a small piece of training happens in school. The responsibility on a journey person to provide training is huge. The on-site training actually follows apprenticeship training standards, and those are provided by the Ontario College of Trades. Journey people or trainers are actually responsible on signing off on those competencies. Something that we heard really early on when developing the Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program was that employers and journey people were really looking for support on how to assess what competency looks like. How do you tell if somebody's competent at something, and how do... Is my assessment of competency the same as your assessment of competency? Not necessarily, right? So we wanted to develop some common language. And since the majority of apprenticeship training happens on the job, it makes sense to provide supports to those people who are providing that training if we want to strengthen what the workplace training looks like. We understand that that workplace mentoring involves everyone. That involves the new workers, that involves experienced workers, that includes the employers who are providing the work. So we developed a couple of tools. One is a coaching session. And everybody who takes an apprentice through the Ontario Adult Apprenticeship Program participates in a coaching session. And that's an opportunity just to have a discussion about where we're at, how things are going to go with that company. It's almost part of kind of an orientation. Make sure that everyone's on the same page. Even basic things. This year, some of the Apprenticeship training standards were updated, making sure that everyone's using the same apprenticeship training standards. From that, we realized that we could talk about this topic for a really long time. So we developed a couple of tools to support journey people, um, kind of a half day session. We're still kind of working on a name, but where we're at right now is journey person and apprenticeship trainer coaching and mentoring workshop, which is kind of a mouthful. Um, we're launching this in August, and it will be an opportunity for journey people, whether they're involved in the OAP program or not, to come in, develop their skills, talk a little bit about what providing high-quality training looks like. I think it will be really nice to bring journey people from within the sector into the room together. Just because you can do something really, really well 
doesn't always mean that you can teach it really well. But what we're hearing from journey people is that they want to teach it really, really well. One of our OAP employer liaisons has years of experience working in the trades, but is also an Ontario certified teacher. And that's a really cool perspective, I think, to be able to bring in because he understands what it's like to be on site, but he also understands what it's like to teach somebody and assess whether or not somebody has actually learned something and problem solve around some of those learning challenges. So I'm really excited to see how that plays out in August and September. What an exciting development. That sounds really positive and and needed. Thanks, Noah. Can you tell us about some of the wraparound supports offered to your apprentices as part of OAP? Absolutely. We really take a whatever-it-takes approach to supporting participants and being successful. Um, Sometimes it's pre-interview pep talks and high fives. I worked with people on how to shake hands. Um, It's not something that people do as often anymore, but there's a lot of business that takes place over a handshake. For us, we feel that this is an essential skill. Um, Safety training is something that we really focus on, helping people complete apprenticeship registration forms, gathering required paperwork, facilitating submission. I've had people who thought their apprenticeship were canceled and it was just that they hadn't submitted the right the right piece of paper or they had something going back to their mom's address but they lived kind of with their girlfriend and it wasn't directed to the right place. We developed um, an apprenticeship binder for each of our participants, just a tangible thing. Tradespeople like tangible things. They work with tangible things where they can keep all of their apprenticeship resources, their apprenticeship training standards, and use that to really track how they move through their apprenticeship. We help them all develop resumes. And it's not, here's a template, sit in a computer lab and fit your stuff into here. We sit down with everybody one-on-one. This is a piece of my job. And work with them to develop a resume that's really going to highlight what they've done in the past and what they've done with their own training and what makes them unique in terms of um, filling a need at a company. All of our apprentices participate in an Apprenticeship 101 workshop. The system in Ontario has the Ontario College of Trades. There's the Ministry of Advanced Education and Skills Development. The system has changed over the last few years, so we want to make sure that people have the right information. We provide access to employment counseling and support with goal setting. Not everybody is going to be ready to jump into a job right away. For example, Someone might need to get their high school diploma. Um, We don't want them to stop and lose that momentum. So we're going to work with you to create some really tangible um, goals that are going to help you get to where you need to go. We do mock interviews to help people prepare for moving into, into applying for a position. I've called people the morning of an interview just to say, good luck today, because sometimes that's what you need to walk in there standing tall and feeling confident. We also facilitate the payment of the Ontario College of Trades registration fees. Those are kind of things we do for everybody. We also provide other specialized support, kind of on an as-needed basis. Sometimes we work with adult education or literacy and basic skills program to help people get either their high school diploma or their GED. We work with various school boards to help people internationally trained with some credit assessment. Mental health support and referrals are huge, and there are a lot of really good organizations that are doing that work that we're really lucky to be able to partner with. And then referrals for basic needs support, so food banks, income support, emergency dental is a huge one. Danielle, can you provide your top three takeaways to share with our listeners? I think first and foremost, shared apprenticeship models really have the potential to support apprentice completions and build a stronger workforce in the skilled trades. 
I'd encourage everybody to stay tuned for some of the exciting research that's actually going to be coming out of Aqui on shared apprenticeship models in Ontario. I think we're going to see that this work is really going to play a huge, huge role in moving apprentices forward here. We've seen examples of that internationally, and I'm hoping that we see some of the same locally. My second point would be that wraparound supports are essential to both companies and apprentices. The, it's funny because the more support we offer, the more questions we get back from employers. And sometimes they are things like, while well, my apprentice is working on their high school diploma, can they still be accruing apprenticeship hours? And having someone they can just ask those questions to is huge in terms of supporting everyone and progressing. And last of all, there are really good, meaningful careers in the skilled trades, especially within the manufacturing sector. And these aren't just jobs. These are the type of careers that are allowing people to support their families, to feel good about the work they do, to make a significant contribution to the economy and just overall build better futures. Danielle, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me out, Noah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Innovating Employment. If you like the show, let us know on Twitter and Facebook. Links are in the description below. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for our next episode coming August 21st. We'll be joined by Hannah Kitchingman of Girls Inc. in Kingston, Ontario, to discuss the Smart Start Youth Employment Program and how it helps young women set and reach goals for financial self-sufficiency. Thanks for listening.